Well, what did you think of the temperature this morning? <laughs> I walked outside. I was like, this is, this is so obviously different and so much better. So hope you've come a bit more refreshed. And let's just enjoy the presence of God. It was a full weekend, a beautiful service for Maria yesterday, if you were here. Um, several services in town. So we celebrated, we celebrated and grieved with a, a city who's had some great losses. But um, God is sovereign over every facet of our life. We're in a series right now about spiritual warfare. We're in the middle of the attack. So God equips us with praise and worship and prayer to fight our battles. Let's stand and worship. Love divine, all hells excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. Breathe, oh, breathe thy loving spirit into troubled soul. Let us all in thee inherit. Let us find our promised home. Take away the love of sinning. Take our load of guilt Pure unspotted may we be. Let us see thy whole salvation perfectly secured by thee. Change from glory into glory till in hell we take our place till we our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Amen. It's one of my favorite phrases in hymnody is lost in wonder, love, and praise. That to me is the definition of worship, which is the journey we're on today. Uh, knowing that our battles are being fought for us, that Satan is feeding us lies, but truth conquers all lies, truth conquers death, we win. So we celebrate, but we also are in the midst of the battle. So let me remind you of a few fighting words that come from scripture. This is part of our text today, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. From Philippians, it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Isaiah 40 says, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And from Joshua 1, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. 
for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We heard that from Maria yesterday. Very kind and comforting words. Now let's continue to sing to the one who saved us, fights for us, stands for us, and is holding an invitation for us to join him for eternity. A reason to celebrate today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When He shall come with trumpet sound, In his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord. Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. body laid, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, 
Since curse has lost its grip on me For I am his and he is mine Bought with the precious blood of Christ No guilt in life, no fear in death This is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, Assist me to proclaim To spread through all the earth abroad The honors of thy name Jesus, the name that charms our fears That bids our sorrows cease Tis music in the sinner's ears Tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood avail for me. Be seated, please. I want to invite us into a time of prayer together, which will culminate in our saying of the Lord's Prayer. Um, I'm going to put into words a specific prayer. Uh, you can close your eyes, and at the end of, it, of each part, I'll say, we pray to the Lord, and we'll say, Lord, hear our prayer. Also, if you're looking at the screen, you'll be prompted there. Let's pray together. Lord God, we pray for your restoration of Highland particularly, as many of us are swept up into the busyness of the new semester, protect the peace of our hearts and minds and those of our loved ones. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. God, we ask also for your restoration in the city of Abilene, particularly among our neighboring churches. We recognize that we are all partnering in ministry to glorify you as one God. Bless our friends across this city as they do this good work. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And finally, Lord, we pray for the restoration of your world, especially for those who seek relief and rescue. We are mindful today especially of those who were the victims of the earthquake in Morocco uh, as the rescue and relief efforts are ongoing. Uh, Lord, we pray for all those affected by natural disasters and by the disasters that we create in our world or whether we are in the middle of confusion, devastation, or despair that seems to have no end, we pray for your rescuing hand. And we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. 
Now please join me in the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's just sit in this moment for a while. And the thing that David said about restoring Abilene, we prayed for all the churches in Abilene, which there are many. But if, if we sense that our church is under attack, so are they. So you're, you're familiar with other churches in Abilene. So just take a moment and you bring before the Lord a church that's on your heart. And let's just know that this room is... As a, as a church, as a body of Christ, we're praying for the larger body of Christ. Take a moment, pray for a church of your choice. Thank you, Jesus, for loving your bride enough to save her, enough to claim her, and enough to call her home. We look forward to the day all the churches are called to be with you. Bless them, provide for them, give them courage, strength, and let them be effective in their ministries in this city and beyond. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy prayer. Joy, 
kingdoms rise and wane, but the church of Jesus constant will remain. Gates of hell can never against the church prevail. We have Christ on promise, and that cannot fail. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus, go. Lord God, may your spirit fall down on this place in the name of Jesus. Hey, Highland, welcome to the table. The communion trays will be passed in just a few minutes and there will be two cups stacked together. One holds the bread and the other the juice. Hold them until all have been served and we'll take communion together. And let me remember, remind you that our time of communion invites everyone. Everyone is welcome to this table. If you're a visitor, we invite you to partake with us. Several weeks ago, as our healing prayer team, Highland, did you know we had a healing prayer team? It's a group that meets on Wednesday nights and it's a group of amazingly gifted people who pray for this church, body, mind, and soul. Um, it's, a, it's an amazing time and I wanna invite anyone who might need that prayer to uh, come and join us and allow us to pray over you. But several weeks ago, we were meeting to pray over a number of individuals and concerns on a Wednesday night. And as we typically do, we started with Holy Communion. The person leading that night asked all of us, what is it that you think of when you take the bread and the juice representing Christ's body and blood? As we went around the room, almost everyone had different thoughts during this sacred time. Mine almost always centers around stories in the word about Jesus. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe a certain miracle. Maybe a certain conversation that he had, like he had with the woman at the well. What is it that you think about? as you take in the bread and then take in the juice, again, representing Christ's body and blood. This time of Holy Communion is a sacred time for me, and hopefully it is for you. However, there are times when as much as I wanna center on Jesus and his ministry, 
something will take my attention away from what I really want to dwell on. Possibly a visual distraction, possibly a sound, possibly a fleeting thought, whatever it might be, it'll take my concentration and thoughts away from what I most want to remember, Jesus and his ministry, his blood that he shed for me and the salvation that he gives freely to me. In a split second, what I want and desire to think and remember will be gone and in a and, and, and a trivial, unimportant thought will pop into my mind. And quickly, a most sacred time will be gone. That church is not from the Lord. It is these times I remember that there is one who delights when he can distract me from centering my thoughts on Jesus it reminds me of the current sermon series that Shane is leading us into. The devil, Satan, the prince of darkness, the prince of this world, comes and makes his presence known. There is one who will do anything in his might and power to keep me from my relationship with Christ Jesus. However, church, there is good news. May we remember that because of what Jesus did on the cross and the blood that he shed and the blood that covers each and every one of us, we have complete control and dominion over the evil one. We are empowered by the blood and the spirit that dwells in us to overcome and defeat this Satan. And that church is good news. Servers, will you come forward? What a, a friend, friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share?
Christ despised for sake. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace Lord God, thank you for this sacred time. This time that we can come back to you, Father, and remember this body and this blood that was shed for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The body of Christ. the blood of Christ. The Lord be with you. Our glorious King, 
all his ransom home to bring. Then anew this song will sing. Hallelujah! What a Savior! And all the church said, Amen. Good morning. My name is Leah, and uh, I'm a preaching intern here. Uh, and whether you're joining us online or in person, I'd like to welcome you as you worship alongside us today. Um, first of all, I want to invite our kids, um, ages three through kindergarten, to join Miss Suzetta and Miss Ashley in his kids' worship. They'll be right through those back doors. And if you're new here at Highland, um, or if you're just looking to get connected, even if you've been coming for a while, we want to point you towards the different ways we have available for you. So first, you can find somebody who's wearing a lanyard, um, ask them how you can get connected. You can also fill out a Connect card in the seat back in front of you, or by going online to highlandchurch.org connect. Um, yeah, after you fill one out, somebody from our staff will be in touch with you this week. Uh, and also, in the spirit of connection, we're really excited because we have two upcoming events centered around getting connected, learning about Highland, learning about who we are. First, next Sunday the 17th, we'll have our Highland 101 class. So that'll be in room 111 at 10 a.m., just normal class time. And this will be a time just for you to get to know kind of what Highland is, what is our DNA, what's happening here. Um, it'll be really, really helpful. And then that will lead into the 24th, so two weeks from today, we'll have our Connections Lunch. So this is something that we do pretty regularly. So if you're a visitor or somebody um, who, again, wants to get connected, wants to sit down and have a meal with our staff, with some of our elders, that's a great time to do that, learn about our ministries, the different opportunities that you have available. Um, and you can scan this QR code to register here. That registration link is through Realm. Um, and so that will help us get RSVPs for our free lunch. Um, and speaking of free food, tonight is our annual hymn sing. And as Jeff loves to remind everyone, this is also a time for ice cream. So it's not just singing, it's also ice cream. But bring family, bring friends, bring a coworker. Again, I will be bringing Jeff because if anyone wins at him sing, it's Jeff, objectively. I mean, he helped compile the songs of faith and praise. So he'll be leading us. It'll be awesome. I, last year I went and like, I, there's something that is hard to describe about sitting together and singing songs that are older than most of us. Um, it, it's really, really meaningful. Um, and so I'm really excited and I'll see you there tonight. Um, all of these opportunities are a chance for us to join in the work of restoring Highland, um, and each of them is only available because of your generous giving. Um, and so if you'd like to give, you can do so by following these instructions, texting to give, giving online, or through cash or check in the offering boxes. Now let's prepare our hearts for the reading of God's word.
If you are able, please stand for the reading of the word. Today, this morning, I will be reading from Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Good morning, Highland. As Rob mentioned, we're in a series right now that's focusing on what does it mean to be delivered of, delivered from the evil one, uh, delivered from the power of, of the Satan, the accuser, delivered from the crafty schemes of the devil. And really where we're at right now and where we're going to camp out the entire uh, semester for the rest of this semester is in that baptism part of our pathway. And in second service, we're going to celebrate a baptism together and we'll show it to you next Sunday uh, on video or you can watch it on this live stream. Um, but baptism is something that's very important to this church. In fact, the entire architecture of this room is designed to lead your eye up along those banners to our baptistry. But there's a twitch on that that I really love, a twist. It, it's, it's not just that our eyes are led to the baptistry, but everything else in the world leads out of the baptistry into our city. And, it's, and so what we're going to talk about is, is, is your baptism today. You are baptized into Christ, and that baptism offers you the forgiveness of sin. It washes you clean. It makes you whole again. There is nothing you can do after that moment that can stain your soul in the sight of God because you are covered by the blood of Christ. But you are not only baptized into Christ, you're also baptized into the church. And because you're baptized into the church, you begin your fight against evil. Whether it's within yourself or within the world, you're, you are drafted into the army as a soldier of Christ. And that's where our eyes lead out of the baptistry into our city because when you're baptized into the church, you're given purpose. You're given meaning. You're given value. You have a, a job, a mission that, that you have been uniquely called to achieve. And we believe here that the restoration of the world begins in the church. It's what God chose. Of all the things that God could have picked to, to redeem the world, to partner with him, to restore the souls, he picks the church. It's God's best plan. And so we're faithful. We carry ourselves sometimes into the thick of a fight. But what you discover after you've lived into your baptism for a few years is that once you get there, you're never alone. That God is with you. That Christ is with you. That your brothers and sisters are with you. And really all you have to do is stand. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, give us the tenacity 
to hold on to your word when it feels like waves and wind are creeping in. Father, when the ground shakes and buildings and even empires seem to wobble and fall, hold us closer to your heart. Pull us deeper into your love and give us the tenacity to stand. And now as we open our minds and our hearts to your word, I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching, that I might speak your truth and love to these people. It's together that the church says, Amen. My name is Shane Hughes. I'm one of the ministers here at Highland, and it's a delight to be with you today. Here's the thesis that I want to offer. It's going to sound a little, it's either going to sound completely true or completely untrue, or what are you talking about, but just hang with me. Here's the thesis that I want to offer today related to Ephesians chapter 6, 12 through 14. The reason you are on your phone all the time is because you are afraid to die. Here's my thesis for today. The reason that you are on your phone all the time is because you're afraid to die. Man, when we had Elliot, uh, our firstborn, we were so careful. No screens, right? No, the, the child does not need TV. In fact, on Fridays, uh, when, uh, or, or excuse me, Saturdays, when, when my wife would go and she would work at Stanford Hospital, uh, I, would, I would be alone with Elliot all day. It was the hardest and the best day of my week. And, and, uh, and we, I would put my phone, I would plug it in, I would turn the, the ringer up as loud as possible in case Natalie needed to call, and then I would just leave it in there the whole day. It was just me and Elliot, and we'd play, and we'd go for rides, and we'd go out to the park, and all of those things and I just left it alone. Natalie went to a trip uh, to Oklahoma City this weekend, and I was struck by how often I was tempted to pull out my phone and just see what was going on, see what was happening in the world, see if there was an email that I might need to respond to. And I, and I paused for a second there because I have, I have three boys now, and they demand way more attention than infant Elliot ever did. I thought raising like a, a, your first baby is hard. No, it's, it's nuts when you get three. It's way harder. Um, and and I, was, I was trying to figure out why. Am I bored? Am I distracted by something? I think there's something that's happened to my brain. And it makes me twitch if I don't get the right kind of dopamine drip in my head. And the easiest place I've found that is my phone. It's not my children, it's my phone. I think the reason that I'm on my phone all the time is because I'm afraid to die. You are baptized into the church, which means that you're not alone, which is good because when we are alone and exposed to lies, I think that is when they're most likely to attack us. The Satan, the accuser, the one that wants to call you to account is going to visit in those moments when you feel exposed, when you're not guarded by others, when you're not surrounded by others that love you. It's, it's almost straight out of John chapter 4 
when Jesus says, we will worship in spirit and in truth. And he combines those two ideas together, and they're inseparable. You must worship in spirit and in truth. And I think sometimes the attack of the evil one is to use the forgiveness of our baptism against us because it doesn't tell the whole story. That what Satan wants to do is use the truth without the spirit to give you the most negative impression of who you can possibly be. To remind you of the terrible thing that happened in the past. To remind you that you feel weak or afraid or alone. And those of us who believe, we know the end of every one of those sentences. We know, yes, I was alone, but in my baptism I met Christ and he has never let me. Yes, I know I did terrible things and terrible things happened to me, but when I met Christ in my baptism, all of that was redeemed. We know the truth, but the evil one will not include the spirit in the accusation, because the evil one can't. And this is the wisdom of being baptized into the church, into the body of Christ. You are part of the phalanx or phalanx, depending on which side of the Atlantic Ocean you live in. It's it's part of the shield wall. Paul is going to go on in Ephesians chapter 6 to describe kind of the kit of a Roman soldier, the the uniform that they had to wear, the the protection that they had, and the weapons that they carried. He talks about a helmet and a belt and a breastplate and shoes. He's going to talk about the shield of faith. And most of us, I think, when we think of that shield of faith, we think of a Viking shield, this kind of round wooden shield that protected our arm. But that's not what a Roman shield looked like. A Roman shield was four and a half feet, five feet tall, and as wide as your shoulders. In fact, it was slightly wider than your shoulders so that you could butt up against the person next to you and your shield and their shield and the shield next to them created a fence. The Greeks developed this tactic called the phalanx. The Romans perfected it. The next thing that would happen is the soldier that was behind you would lift his shield up and put it over both of your heads so that the flaming arrows couldn't touch you. But the Roman soldier that was on their own in the battlefield, that had been separated from their unit, even though that was a very large shield, simply could not be wielded in a way to protect them. And they were weak and at risk. Because the practice of the spiritual disciplines are the the physical way that we embody the truth of God. That's how that we embody the spirit and the truth combined together in one place, in one moment. And the battlefield is your mind. Some thoughts are just thoughts. I'm hungry and I think what I'd like for lunch is X. Or I've got to get this done and here's how I'm going to do it. Some thoughts are just regular plain old thoughts. But there are other thoughts that take on a will of their own. For good or for ill, those ideas will capture you and they can take you to a place that you maybe don't want to go or maybe you absolutely have to. It's the voice in the back of your head that said, you can do it. Don't give up, even when it's hard. It's the thought that says, I am never in lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Neurobiological science will tell us that your mind can rewire 
your brain, which is something interesting to think about. Your mind can rewire your brain. Your mind is kind of the decision process that sets itself, that exists inside of your brain. Your brain is this collection of neurons, and those neurons can be changed and rewired. Your directed will can change how the physicality of your brain works, which if you think about that for a minute, is fantastic. This is amazing. And the, the reality is a lot of this is a lot easier if you do it before you were 25 because your blur brain is way more plastic then. And so if you were young and you were in college and you're thinking about the future of your life, just know that it's way easier to make changes now for good or for ill than it will be when you're 45 or 65. And sometimes you can actually feel this happening to you. I, I feel it happened to me. It's when I started watching YouTube shorts. It's, it's TikTok for people over 40. When I, when I began to look at TikTok and I realized that my attention span was changing and I found it difficult in my job, I spent a lot of time reading and I found it difficult to read for extended amounts of time. It used to be that I would sit down and I could read a book in a day, or I would look up from reading a book and I would have to use the bathroom very badly because I'd been so focused on it. But after I'd spent some time watching these little dopamine kicks that give you this little faint thrill every 90 seconds, the, the process of reading a book was starving my brain of chemicals to a point that it didn't want to do it anymore. And I had to fight to read. It happened to my mind. It can happen to us socially. I don't know if you remember the first time when cell phones entered into your world or your friendships. I was a campus minister at the time. And, and, and at the time, cell phones became this really kind of cool novelty. And really all they could do is like have a different ringtone at that point. There was nothing more that they could do. I mean, the first smartphones came out and you could get the lightsaber app that would go like, and we all thought that was amazing. Now, and so what we did at that time, what the students did was they all had to get the most clever ringtone tone, right? Like your, your favorite cool song or that old great beat from the 80s or some movie clip. And so your ringtone would be this identifying marker of who you are. And the students would just kind of get together and they would play ringtones to each other. And that was kind of like a, a way to be cool. And, and now if my phone makes a sound at all, if my phone makes any noise at all, I throw it against the wall. I will break that thing. That thing should be silent. But at the time, like that's what I needed it to do. And my friend Mark just kind of noticed this was happening. He was one of our volunteers in, in the campus ministry. And he noticed it was happening, and he didn't own a cell phone. And so he didn't have the ability to play a cool ringtone or whatever. But, but he also noticed that, that it was substituting that action of like, oh, let's all get together and, and share links to funny videos that we saw or, or funny you know, pictures that we had. And we would just share those with one another. He said, that's become the replacement of doing things together. And Mark saw the campus ministry's brains be rewired over the course of a semester. And he refused to let his brain do that thing. And then the next semester, he began to fight back. And so he would get into the campus house where, where the students would gather, and the first thing he would do is fill his car with students and make them go on an adventure. He would give them all $10 and say, find the silliest thing you can possibly buy at Walmart Supercenter. He would get them together at 11 o'clock at night and order pizza, and he would not allow them play video games or cell phones. He would just make them talk to each other and tell stories. He fought back. 
against the rewiring of their minds. We think that we can outsource the rewiring of our brains without the subjugation of our will. But the truth is, you can't. You commodify yourself to the lowest bidder with the best dopamine kick. You become the compost bin of the most easily digestible memes, vapid ideas, wearing a costume of wisdom. But the reality is that you are the baptized in Christ, that you were made for more. This is the purpose of your life redeemed, to be more than simply consumers of content, to serve, to love, to think, to create, to become the image of God. And so the battle for your mind is the most important aspect of spiritual warfare. And what we take in does have some kind of impact in our souls. Perhaps not all at once, but in bite-sized pieces. What we think about is what we become. And that becoming has serious moral implications to our lives. It becomes a muscle memory, if you will, a moral muscle memory in the unconsciousness of our minds. Um, let me give you an example. I'm not really proud of this story, but it serves us so well that I want to tell it. It was probably 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, it was before kids, and my wife and I were on vacation. Uh, we went to Southern California where the, the beach has really great waves and the water's warm enough to get into it. And so we were out just having a great time, and we were crossing a street, and we were going to walk to a restaurant. And it was at one of those streets where the, the countdown ticker was going down, and we'd started, and we probably weren't just moving fast enough, and the countdown ticker got to zero. But instead of that kind of grace period of like, okay, you have another eight or nine seconds to cross the street, the light immediately turned to a yellow, and it was a very short yellow. The light was red more quickly than we expected. And we were still about, oh, maybe a, a lane and a half, two lanes from uh, the, the safety of the crosswalk. And as we're crossing, I look and I see the incoming traffic. There's no traffic stopped at the light, but there is traffic coming at us. And so it's already traveling about 30, it was Southern California, 45 miles an hour, right? And I knew, like, we have to move now. And I did not trust Los Angeles drivers to be kind to us. And so I said, at least I think I said, come on, let's run. And so I... I ran, I sprinted the last lane and a half of the, the street to get to the safety of the crosswalk. And I turn around after I reach the crosswalk to look to see where Natalie is, and she is still standing there, a lane and a half into traffic, not concerned about the traffic, the cars coming at her, but just staring agape at me. Because I had left her in traffic. She didn't hear, or maybe I didn't say, maybe I thought it didn't come out of my mouth. She didn't hear it, come on, let's run. In her mind, we were blissfully crossing the street until Shane saw traffic coming, and then he ran just to save his own life. What kind of person does that? And then just to make reality worse, it happened again on that same trip. 
We were out playing in the waves, and there was big swells. Like maybe, the, you know, when the, when the wave crested, it was, it was eight, ten feet tall. So much fun. And all you had to do is swim underneath the crest, and then you get out to where there's just those big swells. You can still touch the ground, but when the wave comes, you jump up, and you get carried up into the air, and you drop down. It's this wonderful experience. We're having a great time. We're just out there playing in the ocean together. Well, it happened that we just kind of kept getting closer and closer to the shore, and we got to that moment or that space where the waves begin to crest, right? And so I look up in this moment of just having fun and playing in the ocean, and I see this six-foot, eight foot wave coming over my head. And it's all I can do to hold my breath. My wife and I are swept up. I am spun in a circle and slammed into the sand. And I'm grateful that there wasn't a rock there because I would have broken teeth or a knee or something as I land. And that the wave begins to recede and I crawl on all fours to get out of the sand to the edge of the beach. And I'm breathing breath, thankful to be alive, thankful. And I look back and I see Natalie's face as the next wave has caught her and is about to flip her again. What kind of person do you want to decide to be? Because there were two those moments where I made almost a subconscious life-protecting decision. And both times, I did not think about anyone else at all. I only tried to save my own neck. And what, what were the, the kind of decisions that I made up that led me to that point? What kind of anxiety or fear did I hold that made me value my own life over my wife's? Not that you think I'm a complete and total coward, my mind has been rewired. And it's happened about three times in the course of my fatherhood where I've been sitting on the couch doing something as one of our child, children is playing near us. They climb up on the couch and begin to fall. And as they fall without thinking, my hand shoots out and grabs them, right? Catches them. Rescues them. And the unconsciousness of catching them is just as not my own awareness as getting out of the wave. What kind of person do you want to decide to be? Because if your mind can rewire your brain, then you can be thoughtful and kind and courageous. What we think about is what we become. And Paul says in Ephesians, all we have to do is stand. This is how we win. We stand. And I was so grateful for Rob's thoughts during communion that sometimes you get distracted. Sometimes you just, you lose focus on what matters and you, you catch a thought and it begins to take you away. And I, and I think this is this, this how how, how, and I, I want to hold this in, in carefulness here, but how, how idiotic the attack of the evil one sometimes is. How stupid the attack is. That we get distracted by some random thought and it takes our attention away. And if we hold on to the thought, even if in fact we begin to engage in some sort of battle with the thought, all we've done is pull ourselves further away from the thing that God has in front of us. That all you have to do instead is just to say, wow, that was a silly thought. Let's just brush that off and get back to what matters. 
Wow, that was a moment of bad judgment. I made a mistake there. Thank God I'm saved. Thank God for grace. I'm already forgiven. Let's brush that off and focus on what matters. The victory is in Jesus Christ. You don't have to defeat the evil one. If Paul is right, then all you have to do is stand. Endure. Hang in there. And say no to the lies. And sometimes that's the deep work of digging through your past and your history and finding out the root of where that lie is and and digging it out. And sometimes it's just dismissing the distraction. We say no to the lies. When confronted by false teachings, Jesus would simply call out the lies, usually quoting or reframing scripture or setting it in another way. He would stand and Jesus never lost a fight. We talked last week about uh, the, the spiritual handbook for fighting demons that the ancient monks developed. And, and we thought in, in staff, like, it would be a fun idea to, like, recreate this thing. Like, could we write it together as a church? Could we write our own demon-fighting handbook to be useful for ourselves? We thought that would be a, a worthy undertaking. And then we realized that these monks spent 15, 20 years, the last 20 years of their lives creating this thing. And so maybe it's a bigger task than we think. But we must take part of this mental and spiritual rewiring for the good of ourselves and the kingdom. Because the reason you're on your phone all the time is because you're afraid to die. Hebrews 12, 13 through 14 says that the reason, or excuse me, Hebrews 2, 13 through 14 says, the reason that the Son of God came to to destroy the one who holds the power of death and, and those who, because of their fear of death, are enslaved and have given up their hold of life. And that fear of death has two trajectories. One is like the fear of your own safety, kind of the sense of self-preservation. It's the moment when the wave crashes in and there's a part of your mind that takes over and you crawl out whether your family is safe or not. There's, there's this, also this neurotic anxiety that we experience, this constant question of have we done enough? Are we esteemed enough? Are we successful enough? Does our life actually matter? And we live between those two fears of death. One of the reasons you're on your phone all the time is because you really want to be available for your coworkers, because you really want to matter to that team, because you really want to climb the ladder and be seen as successful. And so you're always aware when that buzz happens because it might be your boss. Maybe you just need to look at funny things because the boredom of your life feels like a death. So how do we live in a non-anxious way? It's careful, intentional love. It's the spiritual discipline that we practiced together last Lent where we said what we're going to do is we're going to find one virtue and we're going to find one place to practice it and it's got to be in our bodies and it's got to be habitual and we're going to practice it for six weeks together. It's the way that Jennifer Crisp chose to take on humility when she was driving. So she always chose to drive the speed limit for those six weeks, despite how behind she was and where she had to get in between her her, uh, schools for her work. She was going to drive the speed limit because everybody else on the road mattered as well. For me, it was this moment of of humility or of kindness where I was going to be kind to my sons at the last 15 to 20 minutes of their day when they just want to stay up and I just want them to go to bed. I just need them to brush their teeth. I'm just going to sit on the floor of the bathroom and very gently, 
I'm going to be kind to them for those 20 minutes. It had to be in your body. It had to be habitual. It had to be interpersonal. That's how you learn to live a non-anxious life. It's the way of self-expenditure, to be able to share the things that are most important to you, your life, your time, your treasure. The remedy to hoarding those things, because the hoarding of those things is what causes you the anxiety of the fear of death. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough safety. And so I've got to gather all those things together. But actually the truth is, if you want to live free, you've got to give them away. I love this quote, love is the allocation of our dying. We are all dying every day. Every day is one less day you have. And so what are you going to do with it? The way of Jesus was that he gave it away. Jesus gave away every day of his life to someone else who needed it. Someone else that didn't know they needed it. Someone else who rejected it. Every day he gave away his life. And how do you create the capacity to do this? Well, it's, it's doxological gratitude, which is a big fancy word. I'm going to unpack it. Doxological gratitude. It's to take the lowest seat, like in Luke chapter 10, to point out others' good work. I'm not going to worry that there's going to be enough food on the table for me. I'm going to choose to eat last. I'm going to point out everything that my coworkers do and praise them and show my gratitude for them, not worried that, that nobody's going to recognize my contribution and appreciate me. The gratitude promotes giving. It's not a self, uh, the self is not a possession that must be protected because you don't own yourself. You are, not a care, you are a caretaker of the body and brain that God gave you to participate in kingdom and church and community and family. When our lives are buried in baptism, we learn the truth that we matter because we are part of the community that we contribute to. So if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. And so we kicked around over and over this week this idea of the handbook for fighting demons. We had no idea until we got into the middle of this week that, that Maria White, whom we honored and remembered yesterday in her funeral, she'd already written it. She wrote the handbook. It's right here. And it was, it was during a season when... Uh, you know, their, their lives were a little more complicated. It was before cancer. Uh, we were, they were looking for work. They were in between jobs in the career. And, and so what she did was she just started a journal and began to write all the things that she was grateful for. And at first it looks like it says Jesus. I'm grateful for Jesus, the Word of God. I'm grateful for life itself. I'm grateful that God is my Father. And, and it began with those big things, but then later it began to narrow in to just to the, the joys that she experienced that day, that week. And a lot of you are mentioned in this gratitude journal. A lot of you are mentioned in this, this, this how to battle demons. Because you called or you came by or you offered something good in terms of food or a blessing or a kind word. It began with just a few things, but it ends with 767 entries. And you can see through this journal as she battles with 
fear of death. As she seizes and hangs on to and refuses to let go of God's peace. My favorite part about this journal is not the 767th entry that Maria White wrote into this before she died. But the 768th, as Lindy, her daughter, picks up the practice and begins writing in the journal of the things that she's grateful for. Your baptism offers you freedom from the fear of death. Your baptism offers you a purpose in your life that if you have not grasped it yet, you have no idea what it means for you. And I think that Highland does, I think we do need to write our own handbook for fighting demons. And I'm grateful that Maria is showing us the way. Will you please stand for our benediction? Brothers and sisters, Jesus has gone before us. Jesus made a way. Jesus shows us how to fight the enemy. And the truth is it doesn't have to be by your own intelligence or fortitude. It's by his own blood. So when the waves crash and the fear rises, just remember all you have to do is stand. And so this week, stand in the power of Christ. Stand in the grace and love of God. Stand in the mystery and the wonder of God's spirit. May you be filled with love and go in peace. Love.